Well, we've been challenging ourselves over these last couple of weeks, and we've used the word grow, and grow has a connotation which means that something needs to come out of that, that we can't remain the same, we can't stay constant, we can't just be where we are and just say that it's okay, but that there's something that moves us to the next level, to the next place that there is in life. And that's the whole impetus behind this series of grow. And our hope has been every week that the words that we talk about how to grow, that, that you have received those words, and then through maybe something that we have said here or what you have experienced in Sunday worship, that you have taken that into your life, not just for the week, but forever, and have built upon that. And today we're, we're talking about a, a topic that I think a lot of us just want to avoid, and it's called Grow Through Failures. You know, we live in a world, we live in a society that tells us that, that we have to always be on, we have to always be doing the better things, that we can't, you know, slack off, or that if we make a mistake, then we're shunned forever by everything. And it really begs the question this morning when we talk about failure, is, is getting to the root cause within our hearts. So let's take a quick poll. How many here this morning don't like to fail? Just raise your hand. Okay, great. All right. See? You're in good company. You know, failure is one of those things, too. We say we don't like to fail, but, but can something good come out of our failures? Can we grow through them and somehow become a new person? A, a colleague reminded me not long ago of the story of uh, Frank Sinatra. You remember old Frank, old Blue Eyes himself? Um, he, he really came to the epitome of his career when he uh, published and, and performed the song, what was it? My Way. And remember in, in verse 2, he really came up with a sum of that, where he said, regrets, I've had a few, but then again, too few to mention. And, and as I think about that, I'm wondering, is, uh, is Frank talking about his own life, or is he talking about life in general? Because if you really look at Frank's life, if you look historically at that, and I'm not being judgmental, just historically, we know that he had lots of public uh, marital affairs. We know that uh, he had ties with, uh, with the mob. We know that he had done some jail time. We know that in later in his life that his health wasn't that good, and he really struggled with that. I mean, nothing like railing against Frank, but what we know is that his life uh, was, was not something that was full of all success. But there were failures, and yet his epitome of his career comes when he says those words, I have no failures. I have too few to mention. And it really begs the question, really? You know, is any of us exempt from that? Is any of us uh, uh, exempt from failure? Is any of us ever not in that place where we find ourselves uh, to be failing? Some will go through life and they'll say that their mantra for life is, I've never had a failure. And I would look at them, and I think you would look at them and say, really? Is that even possible that you cannot have that? Why? Because we're all broken people, aren't we? We're all fallen. Um, you know, that, that old saying that churches are not filled with saints, they're filled with sinners. And we come because we understand the brokenness. We understand our, our depravity. We understand that we're not perfect people and that, that if you really knew who we were on the outside with what's happening on the inside, you might not like us anymore. And we see that failure is constantly bombarding us. Not only is, is life not perfect, but we find out in so many instances that we're not living life the way that we were created to live it. And it really draws some specific questions into play with what we see. So I'm not really sure that uh, we can buy into Frank's song's mantra, uh, no failures or too few to mention. But, but how about you? Has anyone in the room never experienced a failure? Is there anyone here who's perfect? 
Is there anyone here who can say that, that those things have never happened in my life? You know, Romans 3.23 says that, that for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And I think that that's a tremendous reminder for us. And yes, we need to squirm in church. We can't just talk about all the fun stuff and happy and pastor tells stupid jokes and things like that. We have to be reminded of who we really are on the inside, amen? And we have to come to those conclusions because that is a constant reminder for us why we need a savior, why we need somebody who is perfect, someone who is righteous, someone who can lift us out of the slimy pit, as the psalmist would say, and establish us on a new ground and put a new song in our mouth. John writes in his first letter, 1 John 1, 8, he said, if we, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and truth is not in us. So we need to be very careful. We need to really be real. We need to be transparent with these things, and we need to, to figure out how to deal with that because in looking at our failures, we need to understand that they're gonna come, they're gonna go. We're gonna be confronted with them, a long life's journey, and the question's gonna be, how are we gonna deal with that? Are we going to live into it, or are we gonna somehow lean into God and trust in God to get us out of that? And how do we do that? We do that through repentance. We do that through renewal. We do that through restoration what comes because God ultimately wants one thing with us. God wants our repentance. And God says it's time for us to be honest with who we are. And it's time for us to understand that failures happen in our lives and when we're failing at something that we can come to him in a holy way. We can look over our failures in life and we can, we can come and we can see how, how impactful those things are. But it, it reminds us also that as we look at one another, that it's not just I who fails, it's not just you who fails, we fail. And we fail in ways uh, insurmountable in things that we see as we come to look at that. And we move forward in our way. All have failed, and those who claim that they never have failed need to be honest and need to really look within their own lives. I look back on my own life, and I see so many ways and areas in which, which I myself have failed. I look back in my college days where I spent more time with my fraternity brothers in the bars than I did in my classroom. And I saw that that was a, a, a failure in my life. I've seen failures in my life where sometimes my words have been biting uh, to someone else in the way that, that I've said that or maybe even the attentions that I had behind that, which were the wrong attentions, have, have harmed somebody. I look at there have been times in my life where someone has needed help. They've asked me to help them. And for whatever reason, I've chosen to use an excuse of being too busy or unavailable or just not interested at all to actually be there for them when they needed that. I look back in parenting. Anybody been a parent in the room? Who, who can say that parenting doesn't display some of our failures, right? We, we learn by how we parent. And, and I don't know that if you got a, a guidebook on how to be a good parent, Patty and I didn't. We just kind of had to learn it. And we, we did our best. And we made good decisions and we made some not so good decisions. And I remember how in some of my life when I failed is, is, is when my children there were times that I could pour into them, and I didn't always take the opportunity to do that when that time was likely. I remember one time that church work became an obsession in my life, and I obsessed on it, meaning that I truly saw Luke 15, there's the loss that's out there that we must go and we must do and do and do, only to find out how I had become a failure with that. How do I know? My wife, Patty, had to call my church secretary and put herself on my appointment list so that she could have time with her husband. 
So we see so many times that we fail in our lives and the things that come to us and the reminders that life isn't perfect, that we see failure. But this is an area that I believe that if we're going to get this right, we've got to get this right. If we are going to be disciples of Jesus Christ, if we are going to be lovers of men and women that we are called to love our brothers and sisters, if we are going to get that right, then we have to be honest and we have to understand that there is a wrestling match that happens in all of us. There is good and then there is evil. There is, there is good and then there are bad. There's all these things wrestling within us. And we have to be transparent to know that failures and wrong choices and wrong things darken the doorways of our life daily. And what we're going to do about that says a lot about who we are. And the point is that we have to remember that all of these things that pull us off the holy pathway with God represent the failures in our lives. It's the light of Jesus that shines in our lives, isn't it? It's the light of Christ. When we come to know who Christ is, when we realize that he truly is the light of the world, it illuminates these things for us. And it's in that illumination that we find ourselves understanding in a greater way what God's desire is for us. And it's in those moments we're like the great prophet Isaiah in chapter 6 where, where he is uh, receiving that call story. And he stands before God and he's in, in the midst of the heavens in this vision. And he's seeing seraph and, and, and he's seeing all sorts of heavenly beings. And he comes and he sees the regal majesty of God before him. And he says these words, woe to me, I cried, I'm ruined because I'm a man of unclean lips. Isaiah knew in that very moment that he was aware that his life wasn't the way it should be, that he was not in the place of which God had created him to be. And he was in the holiness of God, recognizing his own failures. Jesus came to Simon and Simon had been out fishing all night, and he was tired, and he was disappointed, and he saw himself as a failure. He had not caught anything. And Jesus comes into his presence, and Jesus begins a conversation with Simon. And he says, Simon, just, just quit mending your nets. Pick up your chin off the sand. Get back in your boat and push it out, and great things will happen. And Simon looks at the Lord, and I know what he's thinking. You're a carpenter. I'm a fisherman. What are you telling me about how I'm supposed to know how to fish? And he does it. And he gets in the boat and he pushes out. And Jesus says, now throw out your nets. And Simon reluctantly just throws out the nets. And what happens next is what is called in the biblical narrative, the great catch. Simon is overwhelmed. The nets are so full of fish that he hauls in. What is Simon's response to Jesus? He says, get away from me, Lord. I'm a sinner, as he falls on his knees. We are reminded of these times in our lives, and we see the sense of that, and we understand the remorse that comes within our hearts when it comes to addressing the failures of our lives, because we've all fallen short of the glory of God. Amen? We all are not worthy of the grace that God gives us. And failure just isn't in those things that we, have, that we have done. Failure also comes in the things that we know we should do, but we don't do. Omission and commission. And that word and those words come that we know how we're supposed to act. 
We know how we're supposed to engage. We know how we're supposed to head off evil in the world. We know how we are to be kingdom builders and soldiers here on earth. And for whatever reason, we, we run from that chance to do that. And we can see that in those moments as well that we realize that failure has come. These are the things that ache in our hearts. These are the things that constantly swell within us. These are the things that constantly just jab and, 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 and pull at us and, and, and claw at us where we can't sleep at night and restless. Why didn't I do something? Why didn't I take action? Why didn't I say what I needed to say that, God, you prompted on my heart? And we realize our failures overwhelm us. Other failures come not solely from our doing or not doing, our failures also come by what others do to us. Has that happened to you? Has someone brought some sort of thing into your life by their action or by their words or by their inaction that has caused failure for you? And we've seen how that comes. Maybe they've said words. Maybe they've committed actions against you. And, and that's left a, this deep woundedness in your heart. And you are constantly struggling with that. Maybe someone or someone that you love has been taken away from you. Maybe that has, has, that has created a chasm. Perhaps you've experienced a broken trust. You've experienced things that you should not have to experience because someone else has brought that onto you into your life. Whether you caused the failure in your life or whether you have felt the failure that has been brought into your life that others have done, I think we're all in this together, aren't we? We've all experienced failure, and failure cuts us to the quick. But the question is, what do we do about it? If it's so prevalent, if it's there, if it's a contagion that we all have, what do we do about it? Are we just to live abysmal lives and saying life is nothing but a failure and there's no hope? We see that there is a greater truth. We need to bring these feelings. We need to bring these emotions. We need to bring these failures before a holy God. And we need to believe that God will bring new hope, that God will bring new life, that God will bring a new way, that God will bring new restoration, that God will bring new forgiveness in all of these things that we see. But yet our minds constantly play games on us, don't, doesn't it? David Donald Miller says when it comes to dealing with your life's failures, you can either get bitter or you can get better. Think about that. We can either get bitter when it comes to dealing with our life's failures, or we can get better. Now, I'm an optimist. I think most of us want to get better. I think most of us want to take that step forward. We want to get better. We want to get out of the trash heap. We want to live into the words of being pulled out of the slimy pit, and we want to move forward in a healthy way. And I, I think, though, the reason we struggle with that is because we struggle with our failures because we struggle with guilt and shame. Guilt says that I've broken the law or I've broken the, the, the way things are to be done. And because I've broken it and not done it the appropriate way, I feel guilty inside. Shame is that not just that I have done something wrong, but there's something inside of me that makes me so bad that I do that. That's what we see and that's why we struggle with that. And some of us, we don't want to let go of our guilt. We don't want to let go of our shame. And we've got to get in our heads that God wants us to see freedom of that. That God wants us to pursue the greater things. And God wants us to see a greater truth. You see, there is no condemnation in Christ. Amen? 
Say that with me. There is no condemnation in Christ. Jesus deals with both of these things. He deals with our guilt and he deals with our shame. When he went to the cross, he brought both of those together and he took care of that. And we are reminded, but we must believe that. We must not just hear it, we must believe it. So if your failures have you living with a sense of shame, let me say this, that there is freedom in Christ that removes the shame from your life. But sometimes we also have to remember that because our failures are forgiven, because we no longer need to hold on to those, that our failures are not forgotten. They're not forgotten. They become part of our story. Your story, my story, is important. And it's not just that we want people to see the best parts of our stories. We don't just want them to see the high pinnacle moments where our stories become credible, where our stories really make a difference, where our stories are a living evidence of our faith and life of someone else is when we are transparent and we share not just our successes, but also our failures. And when we share our failures, we then can help others who are in our stories understand that God has led us to freedom, that God has released that. Here's a couple of ways we can look at this failure and freedom kind of motif as we look at this. I hurt you by my words, that's failure, but I ask your forgiveness and freedom, that's freedom. Now here's another one. I have sinned, Lord, failure. By the blood of Jesus Christ, I am what? Forgiven, freedom that comes. Do you see how it works? Do you see that being destroyed by your failures isn't a forever thing, but it becomes a part of the fabric of the story that makes you who you are? While in Philippi, Paul and Silas came across a woman who was possessed by a demon, and there were some entrepreneurs who were using this woman and her possession as a way of earning money because she had a way of seeing. She was a seer. She could predict things, and uh, you know, people were rallying around her. Give us the numbers of the Hebrew lottery for the week, and you know, let let me know what I can do and not do, and all those kinds of things. And she kept following Paul and Silas around in Philippi to the point that Paul just had had enough. And Paul looked at her and he said, demon, get out of this woman. And the demon left. And you would think, great, a great victory. She's been freed. But what we learn is the entrepreneurs using the woman and earning a cash, cash flow from her, they discovered that their business went away. And they were angry at Paul and Silas. And what did they do? They had them arrested. They were flogged and they were placed in prison. Some would say because Paul did that and because Paul did things that put him in prison that Paul's life was a failure because how can you reach people for Christ if you're in jail? But what we discover is some great things that comes from this. And here's what Paul writes as we go back and revisit our lead text. He writes in Thessalonians, you know, brothers, that our visit with you was not a failure, we had previously suffered and had been insulted in Philippi. That's where they were flogged and they were thrown into jail. But with the help of our God, we dared to tell you his gospel in spite of strong opposition. And we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as it actually is, the word of God, which is at work in you who believe. 
For you, brothers, became imitators of God's churches in Judea, which are in Christ Jesus. Do you see what happened in Paul's failure? We see here in Acts 16, we learn that Paul's arrest was not a failure, but something great came out of this. If you read the story in Acts 16, which I hope you will do after church today, you'll find out that, that, that all of a sudden the prison doors open, the jail doors open, and the jailer is so afraid that he is going to be like uh, chastised by the leader that he was going to kill himself. And Paul's like, no, 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 no. Look, there's something bigger than anything else at all. And Paul shares the gospel with this man, the jailer. And we learn in the story that not only the jailer, but his entire family become disciples of Christ right there in an instant. Out of Paul's failure, greatness comes for the glory of God. And we see that God's gift to lead us through these things is key. Some of you in the room today, I'm looking at your eyes, and some of you, what I'm seeing is, yeah, but pastor, I'm still a failure. Let me tell you something. God works for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. God is working through you, through your mistakes. God is working through you, through your failures. God is working through you when you have gotten off the path of holiness. God is doing something good in you. He's working for the good of you, whom he loves, who, whom you love him, and you are called according to his purpose. Does he say that God is working on some things? Does it say that God is only working on Christian things? It says God is working on what? All things. He says God takes all of our failures. God takes all of our mistakes. And he restores us to a new creation. Before you leave church today, I want you to do something. I want you to close your eyes. Just, just go with me for a second. Those of you that are live streaming, just close your eyes along with all of us here. I want you to visualize the failure in your life. I want you to see it. I want you to name it. I want you to experience the failure that you've had in your life. Do you see it? Is it as clear as can be before you? Now I want you to believe that God can restore you. I want you to see God restoring you from your failure. I want you to see God bringing about newness of life as you confess the failures of your life before your holy God. Allow him to restore your life. Don't just believe God can do it. I want you to count on it. In Jesus' name, amen.